Give God another praise offering this morning. Oh, I'm, I'm so, uh, I'm excited about the next four weeks. I cannot begin to tell you. We're going to talk about wisdom. We're going to open up the book of Proverbs and, and look at what God has to say about wisdom. And there's, there's one verse that, that is going to kind of be our theme verse, and that's Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Proverbs 4, 7 says this, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. That's where it all starts. He says, if, if you want to begin to have wisdom, focus on getting wisdom. And though it costs you all that you have, this is the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, wisest man who ever lived. He looks at you and I and he says, listen, Wisdom is so important that if it costs everything you have to get wisdom, spend it and get wisdom. Get understanding. We're gonna, we're gonna, that verse is going to be our theme for the next four weeks. I'm going to dig into this this morning and, and crack this thing open. Solomon, the third king of Israel. You, you know, God never really wanted to go down the path of Israel having kings. These were his chosen people. God is a relational God. He wanted to have relationship with people. He was comfortable with the idea of providing them with a prophet and speaking to his people through his prophet and, and being in his close. But they, they, Israel would find these times that they would drift away from God, just like we do at times. And, and they, would, they would drift to a position of being distant from God. And they begin to look at the nations around them, and they have kings, but we want a king. And, and so they, they, they just, they decided they wanted a king, and they made their first choice, and that wasn't the greatest choice. Their second king was David. David was way better than their first king. And then when David passed away, his son Solomon then became the third king of Israel. Solomon was young. And Solomon felt he really wasn't ready to take on God's nation and, and be the king. And in a dream, God comes to him and asks him, what, it, what, do you, what is it you would like me to give to you? And Solomon responds really in humility. He says, Lord, just give me the wisdom that I need to rule your nation. And he says that out of humility, and God not only honors that, but God blesses him with unbelievable wealth. He blesses him with wisdom. He blesses him with strong armies. And then beside all of that, the entire time Solomon is king, they are not challenged on their borders. He doesn't have to go and fight wars. He can focus on leading a nation, and he does it with wisdom. And Solomon not just gives us Proverbs. He gives us Ecclesiastes, and he gives us the Song of Solomon. He, he gives us wisdom on steroids in all areas of life. Wisdom. In Hebrew, it means skilled living. How'd you like to apply that to your life? Skilled living. And not taking chances in every, just skilled living. You know what knowledge does? It constructs the Titanic. Wisdom avoids the iceberg. Knowledge builds a house. Wisdom builds a home. Knowledge understands God. Wisdom walks with God. Wisdom comes from 
above. Billy Graham said this. Billy Graham said, knowledge is horizontal, but wisdom is vertical. It comes down from above. One of the things I notice about our culture is our culture leans strong in the direction of getting more knowledge. We value education more than anything, and I'm, I'm all for education, but I have some problems with it. You see, every major university east of the Mississippi, except for one, including Harvard and Yale and all of the great universities, were started by pastors to raise up more pastors. But our culture has drifted so far that almost all of these universities are, are saturated with professors that don't even believe in God. So when we send our kids to universities, they, they come out of those universities with a perspective that does not include God. And, and that is the drift of much of our culture. In, in our culture, one of the things that I'm seeing is, I, I know the Bible says this about this, but I think, I, I know that the Bible says this about this social issue, but, but I think, and let me tell you something, that will never turn out good for you. It just never will. Proverbs 26, 12. Do you see a man wise in his, own, in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. You're going to learn what a fool is this morning. We're going to open up Proverbs and we're going to look at it. See, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. A great opportunity. How many of you made New Year's resolutions? How many of you gave up on the New Year's resolutions that you made? Probably every one of you. Let me tell you something. This morning, you're going to get the opportunity to hit the reset button. Amen. Not the snooze button. You're good at that. We're going to hit the reset button, okay? 31 Proverbs. Give me a minute here. This is June. This is the first Sunday in June. We are halfway through the year. It wasn't long ago you and I were making those decisions. For this year, I'm going to eat better. This year, I'm going to... We said that kind of stuff. And now we're halfway through the year. Dead on this Sunday, this is the halfway point. Let me tell you what the reset button would be. The reset button would be that every morning for the next six months... Listen... I know we hit the snooze button. I, I, I know we don't do a lot of things we say we're going to do, but you and I have the opportunity. I have said this a number of times. I have done this in my life, and I have watched the simple obedience to doing this build into my life and change who I am. And that is simply getting up in the morning or making the decision at lunchtime at work to eat a little bit less. You might even lose weight in this whole process too. Eat a little bit less and take the time to simply, listen, this is easy, simply read the proverb of the day, 31 proverbs, 
every single month. Uh, tomorrow morning, it'll be the fourth. You open it up and you read Proverbs chapter four. And the next day on the fifth, you read Proverbs chapter five. And, and you actually do this through the month of June and you do it through the month of July and you do it through the month of August and you do it through some time. Let me tell you what's gonna happen. When you hit the third month, you are gonna be sit, begin to see yourself differently. You're going to step into your day, and you're going to have to make a decision that you're going to make just like this, that two months earlier, you would have thought most of the day about, what, what do I do? Because Proverbs is wisdom from God. And when you read it over and over again, it's, it's like taking the old program out of your computer and putting a new program in the computer, and the results are totally different different, and it absolutely works. I did it for three months, and I could not believe the change in my thinking, because the way we think determines the way we feel, determines the way that we act. And God has given us this, 31 Proverbs. Guys, listen to me. Proverbs chapter 5, 6, and 7. Guys, Father's Day is in two weeks. Listen, what we want to do is we want to be here as families and honor our dads. We're, we're working on a special day for dads. I am going to talk about honor on Father's Day. But guys, listen, chapter 5, 6, and 7 are for you. And if you will pay attention to chapter 5, 6, and 7... You will spare yourself more heartache than you could ever imagine. Because Solomon speaks straight into our face, guys, and he says, don't go down this path. And he lines them right up for us. And we have, we have the opportunity to miss so much heartache in life. First nine chapters of, of of Proverbs actually make a case for wisdom. The first nine chapters, they, all through the first nine chapters, it's making a case for wisdom. So we'll come out of those nine chapters understanding why wisdom will transform our lives. And then in chapter 10, the Proverbs start. They start one at a time. Every line is different, and, and it's totally random. There's, there's no theme whatsoever. It, at one line, it'll talk about your kids, and, and another line, it'll talk about your spouse, and, and then the next line, it'll talk about your, your time, or you'll talk about your finances. And, and all through it, we, one after the other, we go through this process of learning Proverbs. This morning, I want to look at four Proverbs gives us four different people. As you read through Proverbs, these four people will surface over and over again. So let's just take today the first Sunday and, and let's, let's understand what these four people are. And if you're taking notes, and, and you ought to be taking notes. Number one, the first type is the simple. The simple. Don't look at the person next to you. See, the simple is... I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. It's the naive. No one told them. Look at the passage of Scripture, Proverbs 7, 7. I saw among the simple, and you'll see this through Proverbs. I noticed among the young men, 
because typically it's the young because they, they haven't had enough time to live to gain wisdom. I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. Now, for some of you, somebody's picture comes up into your head, right? A youth who had no sense. But before you go too far with this, there's a little bit of simple in all of us. We may not want to admit it. There's a little bit of simple. My wife would tell you there's a lot of simple in me. There's a little bit of simple in all of us because we think we know better. And the truth is some of us just have to learn the hard way. There's areas in life we, we, we just have to learn the hard way. The simple, in, in, in the words of that great theologian, Taylor Swift, look at this. When you're 15 and somebody tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. The simple. One of the great things about life groups in our church is, 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 is the people in your life group are going to have your back. We, we can easily move from simple to being wise. We, we, we are in that process, and God uses people around us to do that. So the first is the simple. The second is the fool. The fool. The fool knows better, but still does it anyway. That's the fool. And when you ask the fool, why did you do that? The fool says, because it was fun. And the Bible the Bible's totally honest about this. See, the Bible doesn't try and trick us or, or, or kind of manipulate things so that we'll do it. The Bible just flat out tells us. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. I mean, it, it, it doesn't try and... It, it tells us. It's true. There's pleasure in sin for a season. You're all sinners. You know, right? There's pleasure in sin for a season. Well, look at this passage of Scripture, Proverbs 10, 23. A fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes, but a person of understanding delights in wisdom. A person of understanding delights in wisdom. As parents, we hate it when our kids hang around with fools. We hate it. Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fool, it doesn't say doesn't get wise. It doesn't say a companion of fools doesn't do so well. It says a companion of fools suffers harm. It's always a much bigger deal than you think. Walk with the wise and become wise. And sometimes it takes a tragedy to wake us up. It's just a reality of life. It's just a reality of where some of us are at different points in our lives. It takes a tragedy. And I wish it were not this way. I wish we would get it before then but it just takes a tragedy. And for some of you, you know, that's, that's your time of warning. And maybe you're, you're in a difficult situation in your life right now. Maybe you're going through the worst time in your life right now. Maybe you're in the middle of tragedy, walking through a tragedy. Chris Hodges says this, and I, 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 
you need to hear this. Chris says, every tragedy has a lesson equal in significance to its heartache. Let me say that again because you need to understand this. Every tragedy, every deep valley in your life, whether you caused it or not, every single difficult time in your life has a lesson equal in significance to its heartache. As deep as the pain is, God wants to take the difficult, he never wastes an experience. He doesn't cause them, he doesn't bring them on us, but we bring them on ourselves or others bring them on us, or sometimes we just go through difficult times. And what God chooses to do is to take those opportunities. And no matter how deep the pain is, Equal in significance is what he does because God, your God is a restorer. He's a redeemer. It is what he does. And it's a big deal, man. It's such a big deal. God will take the worst moment in your life and he will use it for your good and for his glory. More than once in my life, that has been my experience, whether I created the situation or not. He is a restorer. He, he will take your pain and put purpose on it like you cannot even imagine because he, his, his heart's desire is to redeem our lives for good. Look at Proverbs 9, 7. No, that's another, that's another one. We're not there yet. Well, let's get there. Number three is the mocker, the mocker. Sometimes, in, sometimes in, in, in Proverbs, he's called the scoffer. So it's the mocker or it's the scoffer. This, it's the same person. It's the person he, this is like the fool on steroids. He not only knows what to do and doesn't do it, but he also mocks the people who do do it. He knows what's right. He won't do it. But he stands there mocking those who do do it. And maybe there's not even anyone in your life like this. Because this, this person just really is, is out there. And there may not be anyone in your life like this, but here's what I do know. There's someone in your life on social media who is this person. There's two that come to mind for me the moment I started thinking about it. And they're on social media. And they try to control others with their criticism. And heaven help you if you jump on that bandwagon. Look what Proverbs 9, 7, and 8 says. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Have you responded to one of these clowns on social media? You automatically become the one with the target on your back. Whoever corrects a mocker in, in, invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. And then he goes on, don't rebuke a mocker. He gives us advice here. When, when that idiot comes up on social media, don't, don't comment. Whatever you do, don't comment because the, you're inviting insults. You're going to incur abuse. And then he goes on to say, who do not rebu rebuke mockers or they will hate you. 
incur insults, incur abuse, and they will hate you. And then he goes on to say, but rebuke the wise, and they will love you. There's the fool, there's the simple, and there's the wise. Let me put your mind at ease. Most of us in this room here, if we had to, if I had to choose a category that you are in, it would be the category of the wise. You see, the mocker, nobody can help the mocker. Nobody. Only God can help the mocker. And if that's you, you just need to change. It's just, you just need to change. Because only God can help the mocker. But the wise, and the wise is not necessarily the person who's the smartest. It's not, it's not necessarily the person with the most education. Are you ready for this? It very often is not even the person who knows the most Bible. But there's a trait. There's a trait that's attached to the wise. And in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 9, we see that trait. He says, instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. The wise. There's this thing about the wise. They're teachable. Their, their mind is open. Their heart, their heart is humble. They have what we so often refer to as a teachable spirit. The wise. You know, the reality is in our culture, we're seeing a rise of people who value self-reliance, self-dependence. And God didn't create us to be self-reliant. He created us to be responsible. But he didn't create us to be self-reliant and self-dependent. We all, as followers of Christ, we all need God. And we all need others who love God in our lives. Because that is, how, that is what he uses to change us. Is, let me, after this service, we, we're having a... Uh, a luncheon for our life group leaders. And, and actually, if, you, if, if, you, if you're interested in hosting a life group, you're welcome to join us at that lunch. Life groups are such a big deal because they are the process. They, they, listen, let me tell you about Camelback. I, I shouldn't take more time, but the reality is there are three things that happen, three things that we want to happen in the heart and life of our church. We want to celebrate on Sunday mornings 
and open up God's word. But then we want to, in our life groups, take what we talked about here on Sunday mornings. And, we, and instead of in rows, we form circles. And we are in circles in our life groups. And we have conversation about what we talked about on Sunday morning. Sunday morning worship, life groups, and serving. Getting involved in some area, at least once a month, and serving. Everything happens at Camelback because we together are doing those three things, and through those three things, God has developed a simple process that we together walk through life, arm in arm, following Christ, allowing him to change us through serving, through the circles that we're in, and meeting here on Sunday. We all need God and others that love God. Let's look at God's advice for a few minutes. God's advice in Proverbs 9 and 10. Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I, I, I was thinking about analogies for this, and, and, and I came up with a couple, but I'll, I'll stick with one that I, I used in the first service. Let's talk about electricity. Or let me talk about it. On the side of your house is a circuit breaker panel with a bunch of switches on it. The electricity comes into that circuit breaker panel and then goes throughout your house. If you were to, and I don't recommend this, but if you were to take a screwdriver and take off the two or four, depending on the panel you have, take off the two or four screws and take that cover off and set it down and lean it up against your house. You see, what you have in that circuit breaker panel is you have a ground, a neutral, and two positive wires, okay? If you were to touch the box or touch the ground or touch the neutral and touch any of the two hot wires, it would kill you. Clarity here? Don't do this. It would kill you. But if you put that cover back on, put the screws back in, every one of those switches goes to something. Your hot water heater gets electricity, and you can take a nice hot shower. You can turn your thermostat and the air conditioning, and, and it may be 100 degrees outside. It's going to be whatever you set it at on the inside. You can walk up to your refrigerator, open up the doors, and take something nice and cold out to drink or something that you want to eat. And you can turn around to your stove, and, and you can turn. And everything and happens because of that electricity. And you live your life in the benefit of that electricity. But because you understand that if you touched that one of those two hot lines and grounded yourselves, you would die. You have a healthy respect for electricity. See, we need to have clarity on who God is. Unbelievable power in God. Unbelievable amount of grace and love in God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding understand who he is. Do you know why? Because your view of God is going to determine what your relationship with God is like. 
if you have a harsh, judgmental view of God, you're going to have a harsh, judgmental relationship with God. For so many of us, the way we view God was so often shaped by the way our dad was. Maybe your dad flew off the handle instantly. Maybe your, your, your dad was abusive. There are so many things that begin to shape our thinking, and, and we, the way that we view our father so often sets, sets, the, sets the platform for the way that we view God. So we need to make sure that we are seeing God clearly. Do you know what he is? He's compassionate. The Bible says he is love. That is who he is. He is slow to anger. Was your dad slow to anger? God is slow to anger, the Bible says. It says he is full of mercy. What does that mean? He is full. Mercy is something that he is full of. He is love and he's full of mercy. You know what that means? That means he knows what you did this past week, and he still enjoyed your praise and worship this morning. That's who he is. We need to make sure we have a clear understanding of God and an accurate picture of God. Let's walk right through them. First of all, God is awesome. He is awesome. He is huge. He is great. He is big. There is nothing he cannot do. The Bible says he is love, and there's nothing he cannot do. And he is your God. Let's make sure we have a clear picture here. And there are times in life when when I'm going through a situation and I'm thinking, oh, God, why aren't you doing something here? And the truth of the matter is he's doing something here. I don't know what it is, and I don't see it, but, he, but, he, but he's always doing something. He's awesome, and he's holy. God is holy. I, I, love, I love the way we worship here. See, I'm, I'm getting older and older, and, and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm loving the, the, the music changes that we keep making and the direction we keep going. I, I just love it. I, I love the lights. I love the haze. Bring it. I, I love it all. I love the music that we do. And I, and I love the way we, and it, it is our worship to God. But he's not limited to that. He is so much more. He is holy. He went to a cross and he paid for my sin. It's a whole other dimension. He's God. He's not your sugar daddy. He's God. You'll notice we don't sing any songs about us. All the songs are about Jesus. Because that's what, and he is holy. Hebrews, look what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be, thank- let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably and with reverence and with awe. 
and let's sing all the songs. Let's not just stand up and look. Let's worship him with those songs. For our God is a consuming fire. You know what that means? It means he burns up the crap. He's in the process. He took us just the way we are, and he's in the process of changing us to be more like Jesus. And all the other stuff, he's a consuming fire, getting rid of it all. Listen, let's raise the level of respect for God. Guys, when we get here on Sunday morning, sing all the songs. It's not music. It's worship. It's alive. Not only is God awesome and holy, but he's right. When I see things one way and God's word says it's another way, guess who's right? When my emotions are telling me this is how the deal is and God's word is saying this is how the deal is, guess who's right? There's a trend in our culture. The trend in our culture. The trend in our culture says, you know, I don't think God is right about this. I, I, I don't think God's word is right about this social issue. You know where that started? That started in the garden. That started in the garden where Satan himself said, did God really say that? It's the same old argument. God is right. But James, I don't don't know. I I don't know. Yeah, I heard the story of Jonah and the whale, and I don't think a man can live inside the body of a fish for three days. You're right. I don't think he can either. Lazarus, he was dead for three days, and, and, he, and he raised from the Jesus rose him from the dead. That body was three days. Even the Bible talks about how the body stank. I don't, I don't. If a girl is a virgin, and she doesn't have sex with anybody, there is no way that she is going to have a child. You're right. No argument from me. The Red Sea, have you, do you understand the size of that body of water? Nobody can push that aside and clear. Peter walked on water. Jesus walked. Nobody can walk on water. I tried it. It, it doesn't work. Nobody can do that. You're right. Nobody can do that. But God can do that. God is the answer. When when our world tells us one thing and God tells us something else, the whole world could be telling us one thing and God telling us something else. I am still going with God. 
because he's God. And he created this world and all that is in it. Psalm 19, listen to this. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's perfect. It refreshes the soul. The statute of the Lord are trustworthy, making the wise, making wise the simple. See, there's hope for you. Making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, and it endures forever. It's not a fad. It's not going to change. It's not going anywhere. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, not just any gold. There are different types of gold but much pure gold, it says. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Let them, your, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Living in the arms of wisdom, pursuing wisdom, pursuing understanding, places us in a place in life where God himself is not just blessing and protecting. We live in the benefit positionally. Proverbs 19.23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection. There are three things that you want in life. You want God's blessing. You want his protection, and you want his security. Over the next four weeks, we're just going to camp ourselves on this whole concept of being wise. It's what God calls us to. When I understand what it means to fear God, I can live fearlessly. Church, let's not miss this. Listen, my challenge, my, and I mean this with all my heart, and I know you think we make promises and we walk away from them, but I'm, I'm asking God to do a work in, in our hearts. And, and this is something that you can do. This is not hard. You and I can do this together. We can get up tomorrow morning. Set your alarm clock 15. If you get up at 5 o'clock, set it for 445. Some of you would have a heart attack if you had to get up at 4.45. Whatever time you get up, just set it a little bit earlier and read the proverb of the day. And if you miss the whole deal, do it at lunchtime. And if you miss that, do it in the evening. And if you miss that, start it again the next day. But let's go through June and let's allow God to change our thinking in July and August. And, and even through this entire month as we focus in on wisdom. This is where God wants us to be. There's a side benefit of this. Listen, it's a big deal. Side benefit is this. If you're willing to do this, if you're willing to do this, and you can do it, this is not hard. Guys, we can do this. But if you're willing to do this, not only, not only will the software be changed and our thinking will be changed, and we'll notice, we'll start to, by the third month, let me tell you something, you're going to be a different person. But not only that, 
there's a whole other thing that will happen. You will actually be much closer in your relationship with your creator. And that is just a byproduct of this process. Carl Lentz, pastor's Hillsong in New York City, says this. He said, proximity creates passion. Distance creates distortion. Whatever you're close to, you will be passionate about. Whatever you're far from, you will not care about. Are you in a place right now where you really don't care very much about your relationship with God? Let me read this to you again. Proximity creates passion. Distance creates distortion. Distortion is not reality and it's not truth. Whatever you're close to, you will be passionate. Do you want to be passionate about your relationship with Christ? And whatever you're far from, you will not care about. Stand with me this morning. Let me pray with you. And if you're a life group leader, we've got lunch in our, in our time out there together with you. You don't want to miss it. Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Father, for, for loving us that much. You designed us. You created us. You know what it means for us to live a life with wisdom or to live a life without wisdom. And the very heart and desire and passion that you have for your children is that we live in the benefit of your wisdom. And throughout the ages, you were so intentional about, about protecting it and preserving it and, and making sure we would have it. God, may we give it the attention you so desire us to give. We do it in your precious and your holy name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me just take a second here. I, I just have to. If you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior and you'd like to do that, would you do that? It's simply recognizing that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on Calvary for your sins and my sins, and he rose from the dead, paying the ultimate price, and ascended into heaven and now is seated there with his Father on the right hand, ever interceding for you and I. See, we're all lost, and we need a Savior, and Christ came to be our Savior. If you've never accepted him as your Savior and you'd like to, just do it this morning by recognizing that that's who he is and accept him as your Savior. If you did that this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed, just slip your hand up, put it right back down real quickly. Yes. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Lord, your word says all of heaven rejoices when one comes home to you. And we celebrate with heaven this morning. Father, I pray that bless us as we leave here. And Lord, we are so grateful that, that one has become a part of your family, part of our family. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to just work and grow in her life. 
And Lord, bless us as we leave here. Bless all that we do. Bless our meeting after this service. And bless our day as we worship you. God, may we be so intentional about embracing Proverbs this month. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen.